Podcast number 82. On this episode, it is me, Aaron Fennell, and Regina Nardis, as usual. How's everybody? Fantastic. Fantabulous, right? All right, so it is uh, wheat. You know, wheat harvest is not that far away from where we're at. They're cutting hard and heavy in Kansas. It'll be in our area before we know it. And we've had the first cutting of hay so far, so that leads us to two things to talk about. One is combines, and one is hay equipment. So let's start with hay equipment and go from there. Aaron, what what do you see happening in the hay market right now? We're talking wind rowers, we're talking balers, we're talking small square balers. What do you see happening out there? Well, within our own area, used balers, new balers, um, used mower conditioners and new and used wind rollers pretty much everything hay related has been very very hot for two three weeks um i know you know doing the buying and selling and that kind of thing i've been scrambling a lot lately there's always somebody one salesman at least once a day that's all that's all uh Hey, I need a baler right now, or hey, I need a moco right now, and it's been it's been pretty wild. Um, you know, like I think we said a couple podcasts back, we kind of expected the hay to be good, and we, you know, as we we're talking about aged equipment and whatnot, we really don't ever have a problem ourselves with that stuff getting aged, and it sure as hell ain't going to be this year. Right it's on. been it's been really hot, and I know talking to other guys, you know, wholesale channels, other farmers across the country, um, on the Twitterverse and whatnot, that the hay kind of all over has been decent at least. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously the the drought guys have their issues, and there's you know, in the southeast Nebraska, most of Missouri, you know, they are in a big hot and heavy drought starting there too right and that's it's having an impact huge impact i mean the impact on drought right now whether it's you're talking wheat or you're talking early season corn or you're talking you know hay or whatever that is that's a big deal right now i mean it's, it's not just isolated to a few things here and there i mean you start looking at some of the wheat belt you start looking at some of the, of the, even the corn belt, the eastern corn belt. You start looking at a lot of, a lot of drought situations that are there. And the further west you go, you start running into, oddly enough, you know, the uh, high plains desert that that we live in out here. It's actually, we I think we've gotten more rain now than we've had in our entire that we should be have for our entire in the entire year. So yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I would say, you know, as big as our trade area is, our own personal trade area, we are, I think at least half of that area is at its annual rainfall already, or, yeah. or moisture, you know, counting snow, melted hailstones, <laughs> rain. <laughs> right. Yeah. Winter, 
yeah. we are we are at our annual allotment so yeah. you know july 1st coming up here it's it's quite a quite a different world yeah it's 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 crazy out there so gina so we i've been following you on twitter on facebook here and twitter and instagram and everything else um i've been last two weeks i've been over in kiev kind of chasing down some stuff that's over here in in ukraine and i've seen a couple of videos you've put out there about the the john deere um round baler with that the new accumulator that goes with that and that that seems like a pretty sweet little deal a pretty sweet little setup yeah um i'm fortunate enough to get out of my office and spend um quite a bit of time last week out in the hayfield um so i spent a lot of time with that um that baler and that accumulator and it's a pretty sweet setup um and it's pretty handy to have um you know, it kicks the bale out and it just pushes it over to the one side. You keep going, you're rolling through the field um, until you you get all three bales and then you can drop them. And it just is, it's pretty convenient for a producer to be able to just go to one spot and pick up three bales at a time or, you know, especially if they have a bale wagon of any sort. Okay. Um, so that thing is pretty awesome. Um, I was also impressed. I haven't, most of my, you know, thing that probably doesn't get a lot of attention is hay rakes because they're not, you know, it's a smaller dollar item, but it's just as important for a hay operation. Um, and I had a pretty good experience last week with a Frontier hay rake, um, which in the past it's always been, um, you know, one of our favorites has always definitely been an H&S rake. Um, so really had good success with that Frontier rake. And that's the first time, honestly, like I said, that I've I've had that much experience in the field with it, um, and it it did really well and performed just like an HMS rate. So that was kind of neat to see. Um, also, got to spend a little bit of time in the new large square baler that John Deere has, the uh, 341 large square baler. That's not something that I'm real comfortable with, so it's always good to get some seat time with that machine and keep it running. Um, and then windrowers, we were cutting hay at. 12, 14 miles an hour. So anytime that you can fly through the field that fast um, is, is pretty exciting. So that's yeah, pretty, that's lightning fast when you start talking about cutting. Hey, hammer yeah. down. Jump back, yep. to, jump back to that accumulator for just one minute. Yeah. You talked to a couple of customers and they were talking about that accumulator and what that did for their, their uh, overall efficiency for their uh, hay operation. Talk to that, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So basically, um, we have a couple of producers that have been running it since last fall. Um, and then a few that have just jumped into it here this spring. And they have basically said it almost cuts down their bale pickup time by almost 50%. Um, there again, just because they can go to one spot and load up three bales and move on to the next spot where they need to go. Um, so it's a huge time saver. And especially with the weather we're having right now, um, in our area, guys just got done putting up first cutting hay um, and we're getting more rain. So it's obviously pretty important to have those bales picked up and off the field um, so that one, you're not tearing up your field going out there after two inches of rain or whatever. Um, and two, they're not stuck out there and preventing growth for next cutting as well. So um, it's definitely an impressive setup and it's not real big. You can, you can pull it up so it fits right behind the baler um, and it doesn't, it's just ran by hydraulics. So it's not, it's not really anything real complicated or extra. It's a slick little deal just to add on to the back of your baler. And I found out that you can add them on to, um, where you can retrofit it to older balers as well, John Deere balers. 
So if you have a 568, 567, um, it'll retrofit to those balers as long as it um, is a baler that has um, the big tires on the back. So that was kind of neat to know too, that it's not, you don't have to buy a new baler to get the accumulator. You can still keep your old baler um, and put that accumulator on and be, you know, increase your efficiencies. And I saw one of our customers on Twitter last week had a John Deere 568 baler and he had 56,000 bales through it last week. I am in shock. Yeah. Bulletproof, 56,000? 56,000, and he has never replaced the sidewall sheets on it. Oh, look out now. That's, that's, that's amazing. That's how that, that's how that works. <laughs> and he's, and he's going, he's going for more bales too. So stand by to get some. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have to keep up with him here and make sure that he gets that 100,000 bales or whatever he wants to get. We need, we need to probably get on the podcast here and get, get an interview in there. <laughs> yeah. All right, Fennel. So now we're in the, the prime and my favorite part of the year, combine season. I love watching combines roll. Nothing beats it. I love every minute of it. What do you see happening in the combine market right now? And the wheat run. Nothing is cooler on earth than the wheat run. Love the wheat run. If I was run. in the lottery, I would go custom cutting tomorrow and have it all gone by noon. <laughs> <laughs> I might not even cut anything, but I'll sure as hell have a cool line of <laughs> There you go. Um, Combines, combines are starting to become a big discussion point. The always sell quite a few um, late model used to custom cutters and whatnot. Mm-hmm. This year, that's been been quite a bit slower. Okay, but I have noticed a big uptick nationwide as far as combines go, and it's anything from the, you know. One-year-old, two-year-old, six eighty down to sixty series, um, and that that most of the talk on that is coming from, oh, more so the the corn belt, corn soybean guy, um, getting ahead of the game, mm-hmm. more so than you know, hey, we're in the, you know, I, I took off to cut wheat in this thing and. I don't want to finish cutting wheat in this thing type of deal with the replacing a wheat combine there. Is, you know, that there is some of that. It's not like it's non-existent, but it's by and large, it's, it's corn belt machines that are the talking point right now. Um, and here in the last two weeks, probably two and a half weeks that has, that has picked up quite a bit. And you know, there's there's a little bit of, and it, it's probably 50-50, guys looking at a combine as far as a lease payment, guys looking at a combine as far as a deal, and I'm just going to buy it. So, it's it's starting. Yeah. Custom cutters you've been talking to, you know, they start in Wichita Falls, they go, they go north from there. What have they been telling you about the uh, yields they've been running to, and, and what have they been talking to you about? the overall outcome of the wheat harvest for this year? Well, obviously down dramatically. Um, what, I, what I've what i noticed more from farmers up and down the wheat belt, well, I should say from here down, because up doesn't matter yet, um, is that 
the there are certain pockets that the poverty grass, as they call it on social media, <laughs> that, the, that the poverty grass is actually a little better than they thought it would be. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I've heard that, you know, and you're always going to have that, even right. even in a drought that bad. You know, I know some guys were upset that it even became wheat, you know, because right. at that point you're you're kind of between a rock and a hard place. Am I gonna am I gonna tear this up or should I let it go? Because if I tear it up, there's no moisture there for anything else anyway. Right. But was there, you know, my six inch wheat with a head on it has sucked out. So there's been and and given what conditions are, I've I've heard of some thirties around and for where we're at, that's pretty good this year. That's right. damn good this year. Yeah. So there, there's been some pockets of that. Obviously, there's a hell of a lot of just nothing right. that guys didn't even attempt to mess with. But there's been been some bright spots here and there. But with uh, all the Washington propaganda talking going on and trade and tariffs and this and that, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Every day, everything falls out of bed. But you can hear that every single day on After the Bell with Chip Nelson here on Moving Iron. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's right. <clears throat> All right, so Gina, you're on the El Ranchero over there. How's the? Uh, we've gotten plenty. We've gotten more rain in Western Nebraska than I've ever been around them. I'm probably my entire tenure being out there. So, what's happening there south of Sydney, and and how how does your wheat crop look? Um, our wheat crop looks beautiful. Uh, we're pretty fortunate with all the moisture. Um, everything's looking pretty good. Um, we did catch some hail here last, well, it's over a week ago now already. Um, so that was a little bit unfortunate, um, right along the state line, Colorado, Nebraska state line. Um, but we actually have, um, been able to swath it and bale it. And it looks like we're going to be able to market that for a pretty, a decent price. Um, so it's not, it's not all doom and gloom. Um, but I've also seen a lot of producers, and this is throughout the panhandle, um, and even into Colorado in my travels, I've seen a lot of producers laying down wheat. Um, so it's definitely something that I'm not familiar with, but um, sounds like wheat hay is getting pretty hot too for the guys that um, can't buy the golden alfalfa bales, I guess you could say. Um, so guys are looking at alternative resources to feed their cows with. Because um, cows lead anything, you can mix numerous different rations and, and feed it to them and, and they'll be okay. So um, there's definitely, I think that's going to definitely play a role in this market. And this is sweet that, you know, there's wheat going down that wasn't even hailed or anything. Guys are just putting it down um, I guess, to try and look for different markets for their crop. Right on, right on. So, Fennel, so about two podcasts ago, maybe three podcasts ago, Gene and I were talking about um, the explosion in grain carts and how that has taken off. Are you, are you seeing anything out there right now where that, that you're seeing this, a similar kind of event where that thousand bushel grain cart is becoming very popular, that that mid range, you know, fourteen to fifteen, sixteen model grain carts getting real, getting to be real popular. Yeah, a little bit of experience with it here recently. Um, 
not a not a big runaway or anything like that but you know there's still a lot of you guys are exactly right as far as you know a thousand is the absolute commonplace size anymore right um and it you know the only thing that has a variance on that is if you get to the bigger guys they might have three or they might have one 15 or two 12s or what have you right there's there's still a lot of guys that just at least that that i know and interact with across the country that just are not 1500 bushel grain cart fans because that is so big and heavy dragging it through the field absolutely you know and they make bigger there's you know they they sell them or they wouldn't make them you know there's there's guys running around with 2096 brents out there and whatnot so the one the one thing about that grain cart marketplace that I, i wrote a blog on not too long ago it was it had to do with the size of uh, grain cart now has has surpassed the ability uh, of the common high horsepower row crop tractor, and they've basically now the options on a articulated four wheel drive, the PTO and the three points and those kind of things that are on that, that we didn't see happen like ten years ago. That within like two, you know, the last three, four, five years, where the the PTO has become a big deal on like the nine four sixty R, the nine five ten R. Um, those those big horsepower tractors because just what you said, some dudes got a twenty seven thousand bushel grain cart someplace and they're gonna they're gonna try to they're gonna try to haul it through the field with their with their you know eight R or whatever and they can't do it because it buries the back end of the ground. Right. You know. So that where do you think how do you think the grain cart marketplace is is, is affecting the overall four wheel drive market? Oh, I think it has an impact on it. You know, obviously, what what you just said is extremely relevant. Mm-hmm. That's a factual deal. the The other part of it that I think, you know, there there's two things on a four wheel drive tractor that are almost a must have now that ten years ago were, you know, why on earth did you get that? This is a complete and that's luxury. Typhoon, yeah. hydraulics, absolutely, and you know, and there's lots of guys that have both of those and are just dragging around a field cultivator a disc a land finisher what have you right and you know i think more often than not it was probably the dealer either the farmer realized that hey this is you know i don't use it but five out of my ten buddies want to use one that has it on there so he ordered it that way because you're going to get that you know you're going to get that resale back or the dealers talking the guy into getting it that way. So, and and I've seen numerous instances where guys are like, "Well, I don't need it, but it has to be on there." Yeah. Exactly, and yep. that's and that's why you know it's just like, okay, then. Yeah. For you know, you look at ten years ago, at least in in our footprint of the world, ninety two thirties, ninety three thirties, seventy five percent of them were three point PTO. But that was a planting tractor, you know. Skinny uh, rubber. That yeah. is also that is also an eight three seventy R now. Absolutely, so yeah, yeah, right, right on. It's, yep. it's it's a whole different ball game now than 
than even five years ago. Um, you know, if you go out and look at the the current generation of 9Rs, 520s, 620s, 570s, 470s, there is a lot more of those in the world with high flow and PTO than 460s, 510s, 560s. And that first generation was made, ordered, sold, produced in the heyday. Right. Yeah, absolutely. The other ones were all done in the, you know, downward, not downward spiral, but bologna very sandwich. Steep, very steep downhill <laughs> climb. So that that has a that has a big impact on it for sure. Right. And it, you know, that that tells you right right there how pretty damn important that is. Right. There's there's still a lot, a lot, a lot of guys that are pulling thousand bushel with eight R and that's all they want to do. And cause they don't want to drag that rail car through the field. Exactly. But yeah. you know, and that's where your standard pump bareback four wheel drive still has a home, but yeah, it's, it is, it's, I'd say more than just a trend of the fancier, the better. My thing with the, the before drives right now and the high pump or the high flow hydraulics that we see out there now, a lot of the new implements, we're talking 2015 or newer, you have to have high-flow hydraulics to make them work, whether it's a planter, an air seeder, whatever it is that you're doing. Even some of the, even some of the bigger um, uh, tillage pieces that you have out there, that high-flow hydraulics is such, because of the, the sheer size, the sheer size of it, it, it absolutely just um, totally just like encompasses that piece of equipment. Like you can't right. you can't use the air seeder, you can't use the planter, you can't use the downforce on the tillage piece. You can't use that stuff without having the high flow hydraulics. And I think that to me, um, that's such a driving force in in what we see now. And you know the, the traditional wheat belt where you had the the uh, standard pump, bareback, four wheel drive tractor in the wheat you know the typical wheat belt tractor that you would see out there. It's it's getting to become a uh, a dinosaur that you can't replace. All right. So Gina, so let's jump in that real quick. So we're you know you've you've been evaluating machinery since I've been out, and you're kind of the uh, the backbone that that makes this whole thing work, right? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend that that it's anything other than that. So talk to me about what you've seen through evaluations here of late, and and talk to me about planner evaluations, especially since we're in that EOP situation. Yeah, so there was not a lot of planner activity prior to June 1, but it seems like it's really picked up now. I mean, I was kind of getting nervous, honestly, um, but it's really picked up now here in the last couple of weeks. We've been evaluating quite a few pieces. Um, and I think it was just the fact that, you know, this spring was so tough and it just planning kind of ran late um, that it's kind of pushed back the time that our, our sales guys could get out there and really dig in with their customers for what they were looking for. Um, so it was a little bit slow out of the gate there, but it's starting to pick up, um, as far as planner goes, planners go, um, as far as four wheel drives, it's been pretty quiet on four wheel drives here in the spring so far. Um, I think that's going to probably pick up more here in the fall or closer to the fall. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a steady flow. Um, 
and it's a little bit of everything, you know, planners and, and green carts and a lot of hay equipment, a lot, a lot of hay equipment. Um, and it seems like the second I evaluate it, somebody else already wants to sell it. So um, it's definitely, you know, in season, it, everything's definitely pretty busy. So. Aaron, what are you seeing out there for planters? I mean, there was that time of the year where guys are made their, you know, they planted, they kind of see some rain, they see some, some population, what have you, what, you know, and the corn's coming up, swoon's coming up, whatever it is that they're looking at. What are you seeing happen in, in the planter market right now? Well, dealing strictly with used, I haven't seen much percolating as of yet. Um, from a, from the wholesale world, I have seen a lot of, you know, dealer to dealer communications where they have a planter coming in and they would, you know, maybe it's a planter they sold five years ago and three years ago, what have you, they don't have a market for that planter right now. So they would just as soon move it out and get it, you know, to someone who needs a planter like that. You know, I did that with a couple real nice late model 22 inch planters because the guys trading those in are probably two of four guys we have on 22 inch roads. We don't have a home for them, but you know, you got pockets in the Dakotas, Minnesota, wherever that that's their number one planter. So there's a lot of that going on and you can really see that taking off this month is, you know, with EOP going on guys wanting to find a home for DBs, um, DRs, you know, not so much the run of the mill. Everybody has one 24 but kind of a, the different configuration things. So. What's the biggest configuration you're seeing right now? Is it the max emerge or is it the exact emerge or, I mean, I'm talking, you know, 2015 and newer type stuff. I mean, what, what, what are you seeing right now and what are you guys looking for? I think no exact emerge. I, I haven't seen any guys looking to uh, dump an exact emerge beforehand. Mm -hmm. It's mostly, and even honestly, it's very little uh, ME5 stuff. It's mostly 17, you know, the, the non-5, the regular 1770s drs oh, and, and mostly odd odd configurations or real big dbs that guys just don't want to have you know from a dealer standpoint they don't want to have that much money tied up in it right now and have it sit there and hope they sell it by march yeah it's 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 just it's it's not so much a what age it is as it is configurations of guys trying to find homes for stuff instead of rolling the dice and parking it. Right. So, Gene, let's let's flip that to the other side of the business, the retail side of the business. We're looking at um, trade-ins coming in. I've looked at a fair amount of exact emerge used. You're talking 15, 16 model planners that have been coming in, and guys are looking to upgrade those into something different. Yeah, so <clears throat> there's definitely a lot of interest in our area in the exact emerge. Um, and I think part of that's probably driven by the tough spring that we had. You know, a lot of guys are trying to figure out, okay, you know, 
this year was a struggle. How can I do it better for next year? How can I get more done more efficiently? Um, you know, the singulation is definitely a big deal on that exact merge, especially here where we plant um, sugar beets. There's a lot of guys who plant some different crops like sugar beets that are really interested in that exact merge. Um, but I'm overall, I'm kind of impressed um, with the amount of interest that we have. Um, I've been looking at a lot of, just in the last couple of days, we've looked at, or, you know, Casey, you looked at a couple DR planners, um, custom built planners. So um, it's kind of a little bit of everything. And I feel like earlier in the season, we were looking at, you know, some of the 1720s and that type of stuff. And now we're looking at, you know, definitely some higher dollar machines probably. So yeah. that's the one thing about the planner market that I will say has uh I never thought it would get to this point to where we're looking at planners that are as expensive as they are. We're talking about yeah. guys that are wanting to buy a new planner and they're several hundred thousand dollars trade difference between that and like a 2011 or 14 or something like that. I never thought we'd get to that point, but you know, I never thought we'd be where we're at with combines or tractors or anything else either. So all that being said, I will say this much to Gina's point, that planner pays for itself because of the singulation, the seed population, um, the different things that, that come with that planner. It's more than just going fast. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's the amount of technology that's in there and the ability that gives you to plant into that um, soil situation that you're in or whatever that is. It, 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 it more than pays for it. So I think, I yes. mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the planner. Aaron, let's jump into this real quick. So we've talked about this in the past. You don't really see it too much now because obviously we're outside of planning season, but, I mean, the whole precision side of the business, um, where do you see that going now, kind of post-haste, you know, here, here we are kind of outside that season. What guys? What are guys are talking to you about now when it comes to the, uh, the uh, precision quote-unquote donor, and, and how's that look? That has, that has been pretty quiet um, as far as guys specifically talking about precision donor or um, physically mapping out exactly what they're going to do next year. There is a substantial amount of guys talking about this versus this and that versus that and that whole realm. Um so that and that and that has never stopped. You know, once I got planting done, it was like, well, I have V drive, and I here's what I think. Does anybody have speed tube? What do you think about that? You know, and and stuff. They and and those are guys that it's coming from both ends. It's guys that have you know a bone stock 1770. Um, it's guys that have a one two year old exact emerge. It's guys that did a precision donor planner it's, it's kind of all over. Everybody's, you know, really digging for feedback and, and now's a good time for that. You know, you're, you didn't plant that long ago, plus things are far enough along now. You, you, you know, you're, you're, it's not a, well, here's what my stand is three days after emergence. It's now here's what my stand is. What's gonna make corn. Right. Yeah. You know, so there, there's a whole lot of comparison back and forth. 
just, I, I guess what I would call a lot of guys talking shop on yeah. which route to go, how they want to, how they want to better what they have or change what they have, or, you know, get enough feedback from other guys and realize what they have is, is cats me out. So right. yeah. it just depends. Well, one other thing that I've been thinking about a lot here of late is that we're talking about an economy that has been shrinking since 2013. You know, it really depends on when you start your measuring stick at that point. But for me, it starts in 2013 and starts going down from there. And we're 2018 now, so we're five years into a to a downturn. Most downturns, if you look historically, last about seven years. So I got to feel like we're somewhere near a bottom. And I've said it a thousand times, this is a uh, soft bottom. It could be any number of things could make it go further. And, you know, we might be in one of those places now with with tariffs the way they are and, and the whole soybean thing. I mean, we had eight, we had eight in front of soybeans two days ago, right? So it's not like, it's not like this is a, uh, a completely safe marketplace, right? By any means. But long story short, where do you think the precision donor quote unquote tra- or planner is going to be when when the uh, economy turns around and we start stabilizing and we start heading up i don't think that the forty thousand dollar planner is going to be bought anymore to be put forty or fifty sixty thousand dollars worth of stuff onto it to turn it back into a high-speed planner i think they're going to spend the money to get the high-speed planner i mean am i wet there or do you think i'm crazy i i don't know how to word this properly without offending anybody but there is a lot of oh yeah i can there's a lot of precision fans out there that are gonna go precision route and put it on a green planner red planner what have you now you are right they're not gonna buy that forty thousand planner forty thousand dollar planner and strip it down to a bare toolbar and start over they're gonna buy hundred thousand dollar planner strip it mostly down and start over there's there's enough guys that are big enough fans of precision versus deer versus case versus what any of the majors have that they're going to stay precision whether it is they you know they like the product itself they like their rep you know that that's another big thing um, that there's a lot of factors involved and it's not just, well, how does that speed tube work versus the exact emerge brush belt? You know, there's more to it than that. Right. And there, those guys are always going to be there. And that's why precision planting has had the wonderful market they have, you know, going from a company that started with ESETs to where they are that that's always going to have a presence in the market and it's not just a big presence right now because of the economy we're in it's it, they have the presence they have because of the products they have so i don't think their spot in the market's going to change i think you're going to see their products put on something nicer to start with if the cash is there True. Well, man, it might be a point. My thing with the precision planners, more than anything, is the majors are starting to show up with high-speed planners now. The right. dealers got theirs. Cases rolling out theirs. Um, they have some prototypes out now. 
Um, I think they had, I actually think they were actually available for purchase this year. Um, you know, with, with the, uh, emergence of Agco and their purchase of, of, uh, Precision, how's that going to start looking? I, I just, I don't think, I don't think Precision is going to have the same effect that it had in the marketplace that you saw over the last couple of years, because I mean, quite frankly, you can get it from the major now, unless, unless you are that guy who wants to go ahead and get the. Thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar planner, <clears throat> and spend forty grand on it, and still be half of new, doing the same thing with a with one out of the factory. Right. Well, and then you have, <laughs> you know, keep keep in mind the. Uh, oh, I don't want to say that the the legal discussions going on right now between <laughs> a major that makes their own high speed and a major that purchased the high speed. So there's, there's always a little bit of that in there too, which was the top story on uh, machine repeat last week. So, yeah, that, that is true. So, yeah, and there's, you gotta, there's, there's a little bit of that too. Yeah. So, yeah. There's going to be some, some give and take there. I, you know, it is what it is. It's that that kind of thing will always happen. Um, long story short, though, planner technology has taken off, and you know we've talked about this before. Aaron and I have have had this this uh, discussion many a time on this podcast. But the number of rows of planners are going to start shrinking on on the farm, in my opinion, and uh, that's going to uh, um, drive high-speed planner technology, whether it's from a manufacturer or whether it's from an aftermarket source. All right. Well, I think we have absolutely beat this one to death. So, Gina, do you have anything you want to throw into the uh, fire here before we shut it down? No. You guys brought Machinery Pete. You guys made his uh, show this last week. You guys were brought back up on there, so... Mainly Aaron. Aaron kind of steals the show there. So yeah, he he can talk about Superman and and different various <laughs> machines that are in Superman. So yeah. Well, at least there's one other human being besides my father out there that appreciates how enormous of a machinery geek I truly am. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a machinery nerd. Nerds. You know, what I mean, you're like, you're, the, you're that guy. So and yeah. and God love you. You know, can, I would I wouldn't have thing. anybody else beside you. There you go. Another thing that I I uh, probably should mention this because he's very proud of himself. I was actually, Aaron Fennell of all people, was at the lake this last weekend. Oh, yes. Did shirt off, rocking the pecs and abs no, and stuff? No, 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 no. no okay. But we, we, we built a campfire and there was a big log that I thought was a big, wide piece of tree branch, you know? Uh-huh. And my oldest son, Jacob, was messing with it. It wasn't in the fire yet, in case grandma's listening. And uh, and what he was he was messing around with it, trying to pull it apart. And I said, "I'll give you a hundred bucks if you can do that." And his eyes lit up, you know, because I didn't look at it. I thought it was a white, big white, you know, shit. It was a four-inch branch. Right on. Yeah. And he's like, "Really?" And he's yanking on it, yanking on it. And I said, "I tell you what, I'll give you two hundred bucks if you can do that." And no sooner did I say that. He split it in half. You got hustled, bro. You got I hustled. Did. I did. And he has not, there hasn't been a half hour since Saturday at about six o'clock at night that I haven't heard. So when do I get my 200 bucks? <laughs> yeah. 
You got you got to pay your debts, bro. You make it back. You got to pay it. That works. That's how it works. All right. So, any final words you want to throw out there, Aaron, before we shut it down? Not that I can think of. I think we kind of covered everything, and you know, it's it's you hear every day about you know guys guys get a little little bit of pep in their step, and the markets go up, and then you have a week like we have now, and everybody gets kind of gloom and doom, but. Mm-hmm. You know, us being us being in the iron business, we're the we're the first ones cast aside because they got to have seed, they got to have fertilizer, they got to have all that, but they can patch iron together. But the uh, and I'm I'm pretty optimistic with with how the year's gone so far and how it'll keep going. And there's there's deals to be had. Yeah, I've never been this optimistic in the last five years about what I think the end of the year is going to look like. I think the end of twenty. Um, we're at 2018, right? Yeah, yeah. 2018 will uh, be we'll better. Send you a calendar over there in the Ukraine. Well, I'm I'm nine hours ahead. So, hey, so send me your quick picks real quick, and I'll get you the lottery numbers so you guys can retire. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in the future, <laughs> right? So, but I mean, all, all being said, I think 2018 is going to be an amazing year. I don't. I I just feel like that because they have to, not because they want to, is actually going as actually really starting to kind of to churn right now and i feel like there's going to be um some some good run towards the end of the year so i'm i'm pretty positive about about the end of 2018 gina got anything you want to throw in the in the, the mix before we shut it down no i'm just looking forward to we're going to be in wheat harvest here probably before we know it so trying to get ahead of things and looking forward to like you guys said the wheat harvest run is kind of Exciting and exhausting all at the same time. So, okay. So, pretend for a minute that I'm going to go out on Twitter and I'm completely enamored with Regina Nargis and and her whole operation. How would I find you on on the uh, the Facebooky and the uh, and the and the Twitterverse? Uh, yeah. So you can search my name, Regina Nargis. It should come up on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, my Twitter handle is actually R R J A N O U S E K. Um, and that's Czech. That's my maiden name. And I'm heading back to the old uh, Czech festival this weekend. So stay tuned for that. You can catch that on my Twitter. Yeah, she's on the Kalachi City, the, the Western Czech Republic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aaron. So for the same example, I'm I'm t- tooling around. Want to find you? How would I do that? Well, at Aaron Fintel on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook. Or probably the easiest thing to do is call me, shoot me a text, 308-760-1193. All right, man. Well, you can find me, Casey Seymour, at Moving Iron LLC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You also go to my website, movingironllc.com. You can check out uh, some Moving Iron blogs that I've got out there. You can also check out the Moving Iron Summit that we have coming up. So if you're a dealer, check it out. Man, there's uh, a lot of good ways for dealers to network and uh, meet other other dealers and, and, and have a, uh, a great time just talking about what's happening in the marketplace. And then, um, so with all that being said, uh, I'm Casey Seymour. Regina Nargis. Aaron Fennell. Let's go move some iron. Talbot brothers are going to take us out here. Let's go move some iron out. Moving iron in the 21st century.